You're listening to the MBS by BSSF podcast with me, Bradley Goldman, sports nutrition specialist and founder of the nutrition program NBS. Here we have my co-host Jennifer Barker. Hello, everyone. And if this is your first time tuning in, welcome and buckle up for our no bullshit approach to all things fitness, nutrition, and much more. If you're returning for this week's episode, welcome back. Clear the room of any little ears, turn the volume up, and let's get to this week's episode. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode nine of the MBS podcast. Of course, we have me and my co-host, Jennifer. Hello, everyone. And today we have Mr. Sanan Ozameski. Sanan, say hello. What is going on, everybody? Did I finally pronounce your last name right? You got very close on that one. So, Man! (laughs) How do you pronounce it for me? Ozameski. Ozzy Omeski, I mean, look, you made I, it. I mean, you made, you made it more exotic than it sounds, so I'll take it. We're just we're just gonna go with Sanan Synonymous, so that's fine. Perfect. Um, you guys probably remember Sanan from I think season one and probably season two. Yeah. Um, and of course, Sanan is back for season three. Sanan, uh, tell us a little bit about where you've been in the world. Uh, what's going on? Oh man, it's been uh eventful. I honestly I can't even think back that far too. So when you were saying season one and two, it feels like you know light years ago. Um, I have been traveling a fair bit. I spent a lot of time overseas in Turkey and Greece. Uh, all my family's over there, so I try to spend time out there. But this year uh, was a little bit more of a let's dive into food cuisine, let's dive into food culture. And I hit um, the southeast part of Turkey, which I had never been to before, uh, very close to the Iraqi and Syrian border that way. Um, trying all foods that I've never tried in my life. Um, and it was one hell of an experience in terms of a, a food trip or a food travel. But outside of that, I've been, uh, I, I could probably honestly say I've hit all 50 states in the last, uh, 10 months with work travel. So it's been hectic. It's been fun. Uh, but I am finally back in Florida in my own home and, uh, it feels good to be here for season three. Where was your, I can't believe that you've been in all 50 states with as much as we travel. I think you might, you might travel more than we do. Which is hard I, to do. Yeah. I think I passed you guys on the plane a couple of times. So yeah, probably, probably <laughs> um, when you were out there traveling, what was, what was your favorite new food that you tried? Uh, honestly, man, I, I, I've heard so many things about just like street kebabs and just like lamb kebabs, but on a street and in Istanbul, you see it, but it's almost, you know, touristified at that point, if that's even a word. Um, it's just very glamorous and it's almost like comparing camping to glamping, right? It's like one of those things that you, you know, you pick up on the street, you're like, okay, this is cool. But to an extent, you know, when, when you grabbed it over there, it was like, you know, 75 cents, 80 cents for a, a gyro and just like, just having it, I think just the locality, the ease of it, and the fact that it is actually something that people who are on the run for work grab it on the way to work instead of it's just at a very tourist-centered location and they, you know, have this all, you know, dressed up and dolled up truck um, selling it. That was definitely hands-on the best experience. The meat was amazing. Um, All of the spices that are used over there, absolutely fantastic. And then I had a coffee that they make down there with uh, pistachio milk, which was absolutely amazing. It was like an espresso um almost like a cortado but with pistachio milk and it was out of this world pistachio milk and that sounds amazing yeah pistachio milk now i'm like okay can we make milk from pistachios because that sounds amazing i mean like this 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 is where i'm like you know every time i see like almond milk pistachio milk coconut milk i'm like but is it milk like (laughs) it's 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 juice it's juice it's bean juice it's bean juice it's it's coffee but a different bean it's just another (laughs) nut juice juice. (laughs) 
I don't think we want to be promoting that we're you know, in, going to pop star. Yeah, we're going back to if you guys didn't listen to I, I don't remember what episode it was with Dr. Uh, Joshua Gonzalez um, on increasing your semen and the flavor of semen. Increasing That's there too. Your nut juice. Increasing your nut juice. Anyway, um, <laughs> but you know, I love that you brought up how the meat was good and you really dived into the meat. We're definitely going to talk about the importance of protein later. Um, but Sanan, tell us uh, for the for listeners who haven't uh, heard you before, haven't listened to season one and two, um, tell us your credentials. Um, what you do, and then um, we'll jump into the the heavy questions. Oh man, I'm ready for the heavy questions. But uh, yeah, just to give a background on myself, I am a registered dietitian by trade. Um, I did my undergrad in sports nutrition at Rutgers University. Wasted no time, went right into a combined program between New York Chiropractic College and NYU to do my first master's in applied clinical nutrition. Looked more at pain and inflammation in athletes, and then did the second half of that master's looking at um, the gut-brain axis and the connection of the GI tract to brain function and, um, you know, addiction and depression. And then came right out of that, went into another master's because I love school so much. I love paying for school so much. Um, did my second master's in um, uh, nutrition and dietetics. Uh, it was a combined program to go right into the dietetic internship. And that was through Penn State University. Um, and then wrapping that up, I became a registered dietitian and I have been with company called Stronger You Nutrition for, uh, I want to say three years now. I can't believe how fast time flies, but I coached for them for about two years. And I am now a coach liaison where I work directly with all of our coaches on staff. Um, I work directly with all of our members that come on board, all the internal team and our social media team to make sure the experience is above and beyond. That's great. And we, if you guys know us, we love our folks at Stronger You. Uh, we love Dola. Uh, we love Kale. Um, am I missing anybody else? I don't think I'm missing oh, anybody else. I don't think I'm missing it. The fact that I even can mention three people that are half and stronger you is that's, <laughs> that's honestly awesome. Um, Sanan, and then um, you know, if you guys look, if you guys go look at Sanan on Instagram, um, his hat size is you know probably relevant to his brain. Um, but Sanan, tell us a little bit about you are you're definitely a minority. Um, and you are breaking into you're not breaking into, you've broken into an industry um where minorities are their voice is not usually heard so tell us a little bit about your background first of all um because you're not originally from the states english is not your first language and what it's been like to be a minority in the nutrition industry in the states yeah 100 i definitely uh did not grow up here uh, i was born here in 92 i went back when i was six months old went back to istanbul turkey um, and from 92 to 2001, 2002, I lived in Turkey. So Turkish was my first language. Um, I did not speak a lick of English until about 2002. Um, and growing up over there, you know, totally different culture, totally different uh, educational experience. So coming over here in 2002, um, that was the first little clip of English that I learned. Um, but not only was the language an entire culture shock, I think it was the the whole exposure to food, society, and behavior here that really threw me in for a loop. Um, coming in in fourth or fifth grade, it's it's not really something that we think of often as fourth graders really soaking in what's going on outside and really, you know, looking at the social cues and just different things that, that that people do on a daily basis. But when I came in, you know, just looking at the amount of fast food chains there were, just looking at the amount of, you know, cars that were on the road instead of people walking places, that really opened my eyes up for nutrition um, and just overall wellness and, you know, human behavior. 
So that was my first exposure to it, you know, just to give listeners a, a heads up too. I never came into it thinking I was going to be a nutrition major. When I applied to all of my colleges for undergrad, I went in as interior design, interior architecture. Um, that was like my, hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to crush it and, you know, follow the footsteps of my grandparents and my my dad as well. He's a, a civil engineer. And uh, once I realized all of the changes, the cultural changes between Turkey and here, I was like, ah, you know what? Like, instead of being a mediocre architect or a mediocre interior designer, I'm going to really dissect the differences between the culture and the exposure to food between here and, you know, overseas. And I kind of want to dive into, I didn't know if it was, you know, food microbiology at that point, if it was nutrition, whatever it was, I knew I wanted to get into that field. So I came in definitely as a minority that way, right? English, second language, spent uh, at that point more than half of my life in a different country, did not know the school system, did not really knew, you know, I didn't really know what the the college system was, like how it operated here, because it's totally different over in Turkey. So Fast forward a little bit from that, you know, forget the fact that English is a second language that I didn't speak a drop of drop of English uh, until 2002. Um, I think the craziest thing was I never knew what a dietitian was right in Turkey. You don't even the term even nutritionist is something that we don't hear of that frequently. Um, when you go to a hospital, when you go to a doctor for your checkup, you just go through these rooms. There's not really much of a connection, at least in my head back then to like think about, OK, Here's somebody who tells me what to eat. Here's somebody who tells me my bones are doing okay, et cetera, right? So coming from that, I just, I, I came in completely blind slate, completely open-minded. Um, and then it really hit me. I think that the minority in the industry part really hit me when I got to undergrad. Um, because right now about 85% of all nutritionists are women um, and 50, uh, 15% are men. Um, and if we zoom in even a lens further from that and look at registered dietitians in the United States, about 92% of current registered dietitians are women and mm-hmm. about 8% are men. Absolutely wow. wild to think about. I've never known that. That's, that's very shocking. Not shocking. I mean, not shocking, just interesting. It's yeah. It's, it's nuts to think about those numbers in perspective. And, you know, we, we always talk in these groups, we always chat around Facebook groups and we're like, okay, there's, it's nice to see, you know, a mixed group, everybody throwing in advice, everybody throwing in tips and tricks, but to really think about the percentages, it's absolutely wild. And, you know, when I think about those percentages and I think about my exposure in the medical field too, um, another medical field or clinical path that even compares close to that percentage is perinatal nurses, right? So if you're not familiar with this, exactly, right? If you're not familiar with a perinatal nurse, they care for women through, you know, preconception, pregnancy, and the weeks following the birth of their baby. So by no means it's an easy field to be a nurse in. None of it is. I mean, that's why we're so thankful for medical workers out there in the front line. But Absolutely. in terms of a ratio comparison, that's currently where we're at with the RD pool in males. It's not. Wow. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to shift back just a little bit. You, mm-hmm. when you, when you were growing up, you know, you decided sorry, when you came here, you eventually decided that you wanted to be a registered dietitian because you saw this stark contrast between mm-hmm. Uh, Turkish food, food culture and American food culture. What give us, give us kind of, you know, what is Turkish, you know, home life, family food life in Turkey? Not then talk about us now. And yep. then obviously we, most of us that are listening to this, you know, we, we have our own experience of, of American food, but what was Turkish, what is Turkish family nutrition look like? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I think, you know, local food is definitely a, a bigger priority over there. So um, knowing that 
you know, a lot of the food that we're, we're getting, a lot of the ingredients that we're getting are particular to season. Um, you know, I've said this on previous podcast episodes with you too, but it's more so, you know, you're not buying anything that's out of season. There's no such thing as like, you know, greenhouse tomatoes, 12, we, uh, 12 months round. Um, you know, it's, if, if they're out of season, you're not able to access them. Um, a lot of the, the fish, the meats, the poultry, a lot of that is locally sourced. And if a local source runs low or runs out, the store just doesn't carry right? There's no kind of backstock in terms of, oh, okay, if we're out of chicken, we'll produce more. Like there's, you, you technically can't produce more. So to actually follow um, those trends. And then in terms of fast food, fast food is almost a luxury at that point, right? I remember as a kid that, you know, and the, the convenience factor is there. It's not a matter of, it's just not convenient. They have Vespas that'll deliver McDonald's to your house, right? You don't have to worry <laughs> about a single thing. So it's, it's awesome. It's just like you see in the Italian job or any of those movies, but the fact that it is such a, it, it's at, at that point, at least it was a luxury of, you know, we wanted to eat out and, you know, every other week we got McDonald's or schlock seeds or, you know, just Burger King or just different foods. Um, it was just like a, a luxury almost to eat out, which is crazy because when we look at, you know, the, the American diet here, um, the standard American diet, it's just, it, it's a convenience factor, right? right? If you can't prep something at home, if you don't have access to go to your local Costco, Sam's Club, whatever, you know, grocery store you're shopping at, it's much easier to drive through a drive through, even though there's sometimes a 45 minute line in the drive through and right. grab something from a fast food chain um, than it is to just plan ahead and think forward. And that's, it's really, those are polar opposites in terms of, you know, the standard American diet and how I saw the Turkish diet growing up. Right. I mean, that's, that's behavioral. Absolutely. That's a big behavioral change. But what about like, so if we sit down, like if I were to go, you know, you, I, I go with you to Turkey, which I plan to do one day um, and sit down at your family's dinner table. What is, what does the dinner table look like, you know, on an average night at a, in a Turkish, in a Turkish household? Absolutely. Um, so it's a lot of, it's actually very similar to, I would say Spanish cuisine. And we don't think about it as much because it's a lot of tapas. It's a lot of appetizers. Um, the dishes are family style. So it, it's even the appetizers that, you know, that'll come in the middle. If you've ever been to a very like hearty Mediterranean restaurant or a Middle Eastern restaurant where the hummus comes out in the middle with bread on the side. And it's like, it's a common sharing item. But the biggest difference is like, if you were to go to say an Applebee's or something here and we get a dip for the middle, everybody just reaches in and dips in the middle and you almost lose track of what that portion size is, right? Cause you're right. just constantly dipping to the same bowl. With turkey, no matter how appetizing those plates look in the middle, everybody has this tradition of, you know, scooping it and putting it on their plate and just sticking to what they put on their plate. Nobody really goes back for seconds because it's come such a, a culture of, you know, just set your plate up first and then go from there. And, you know, the particular foods themselves, they are a lot of vegetable based dishes. So to think about, you know, the, the protein is usually, I would say, a, a local fish or some kind of meat or lamb, but Protein is almost an afterthought there, right? It's so much vegetable. Um, and it's, yeah, I mean, the, the fruit and vegetable consumption there is through the roof. You know, like when I go overseas, I'm not really, a, I don't want to say a, a low carb consumer when I'm over here, um, but I'm just a lot more mindful about the carbohydrates I consume here. But when I go over there, it's like, you know, the amount of fruit and the amount of vegetables I consume throughout the day, I don't even think twice about because it's just local stuff coming in left and right. Interesting. Interesting. So then that, I guess that kind of segues us into our, you know, the, the, the topic of protein, you know, we mm -hmm. protein, I feel like, especially with what we do when it comes to 
I want to say like general population sports nutrition, for lack of a better word. Okay. Not just eat to sustain, not just eat to survive, you know, weight loss, loss, you know, muscle preservation and all that. And I'm, I'm, I'm like baffled right now. Um, But how, before we even get into the science of it, how did your mindset shift? Cause I know you, I mean, obviously you made, you and I have hung out together. We broke bread together. We've talked about, you know, protein synthesis and the prioritizing protein, the importance of it, but how did that all come to be for you? Like, was that a big mental roadblock for you or were you just like, well, this is the science and it was an easy shift that way? Yeah, I think, I, I mean, it definitely was a difficult shift. It was not an easy shift by any means. And I still have that same difficulty when I go over every summer, right? doesn't matter how many years I went to school for. Every time I go to Turkey, it's like the first two weeks or three weeks of realizing that the priority is not really protein with those meals. It's like a, whoa, shit, like, am I having enough? Am I eating the right things? Or do I have to really sit down and, you know, essentially be the outcast at the table that has his, you know, own piece of, you know, meat next to him on a plate, right? It, it just, it's one of those things that if you go out to dinner, this is the probably the best example I can put it in. If you go out to dinner here, most of the time we're going to look at that menu and we're going to say, okay, am I getting the eight ounce steak or the 12 ounce steak based on how much protein I need for the rest of the day, right? We always think with that nutrition mindset in, you know, mm. in our head, that macronutrient mindset. But over there, it's like, you know, at the end of the meal, when I'm having dessert, when I'm wrapping things up, I can think back to that meal and be like, oh man, there was not a single drop of, you know, meat or fish or chicken on that plate, but I enjoy the hell out of every single thing I ate, right? So you almost, the enjoyment of the food overlaps the the macronutrient breakdown of the food and you tend to forget. So for me, it was a lot of like, uh, if I'm going out to eat tonight and I know this place has amazing appetizers and amazing vegetables and amazing, you know, desserts, do I have to, you know, essentially sneak home between events in the morning to get myself an egg white omelet or to make, you know, some, some chicken or whatever it is. So that concept of like letting that go, letting that mass amount of protein consumption go is it's a kick in the head for sure. Every single year when I go. Okay. Now I, now I have two full question. So I'm going to go back to the tapas thing. So yeah. when and I go out to eat, when we go out, it's a very, since we've dated, it's a very different experience than we've ever experienced going out to eat. We go out to eat. I mean, go for it. Tell like what, what's. Yeah. We like look at, we look at appetizers. We try to find like a protein forward appetizer. Mm-hmm. We'll split it. And usually like veggie, like yeah, some like, kind of like a, but, and then like maybe a salad or salad, something yeah. that's going to give us some vegetables for like, and we split it. And then we usually split an entree and it's, you know, we almost create our own family style meal that way, but everything, I mean, we go to, we avoid the pastas, we go right to the, you know, to the meat section. Um, and that's just, but it's been the way that we've, since we just started dating. And I think it's because both of us come from that mindset of prioritizing protein. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, in some ways, the the um, industry's gotten a little too far that way. Like, for example, I just made myself a deli turkey wrap on a low carb tortilla, but it was actually a protein low carb tortilla. So they've added in protein to the. And I'm like, okay, yeah. at some point, what are we really doing? Are we? Is this the is this the right thing where we're just adding protein to stuff to add protein to stuff? Mm-hmm. And then also, how much artificial stuff are we adding into? Not you know, not that I would like we're anti artificial anything really, but. I was thinking to myself when I was eating this, this tortilla wrap earlier, like what's wrong with a regular tortilla, like, or a low carb tortilla, yeah. why does it have to have protein? And it's because I think that buzzword has become really important in our industry as well recently. It's funny. Yeah. She just said that we were watching, uh, have you seen the good place? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the good place, you know, Michael in the good place. Yeah. 
And him and, oh my God, what's the character's name? Dax Shepard's wife. Oh, um, Kristen Bell. Kristen Bell. I don't remember what her name is, but she was like, why do you have, like, what's with all the frozen yogurt here? Like, have you ever had ice cream? He goes, there's something human about taking something great and ruining it just a little to have more of it. And honestly, like with all like the, like the, like the protein puffs, the protein wrap, like, I'm like, is it really worth the extra three grams you're going to fucking get from it? But anyway, that's, I digress. That has, I'm going to get into <laughs> no, no, for sure though. And that's one of the things like, you know, I, I, everybody I talk to that, that'll fly overseas for the first time. I'm like, you know, it's, you kind of have to close your mind to that concept of seeing everything. Like you said, protein pumped in the U S um, and you have to be open with the mindset of saying like, I can't tell you how many restaurants, especially in Southeast Turkey that I was like, Hey, what do you recommend on the menu? And then I'm like, actually don't even tell me just bring it. Right. So to have that kind of concept compared to me being here, like, oh, let me get one more slice of deli turkey in there to make sure I hit my protein numbers. Yeah. It's like, a, oh, shit, is this the same person kind of a concept, right? So it's it's definitely a, I don't want to say a brainwash, but just this idea that we've been put, you know, in our heads in terms of, you know, everything has that protein in it. We have to hit this massive number that's far above that, you know, one gram per pound or one and a half grams per pound. It blows my mind when you, you know, when you see the exposure to it for two, three months at a time and you come back to it, you're like, whoa, what the, I did not eat this much in a week. Yeah. I think what's hard is like, it works, right? Like, and we are in the United States so exposed to so many art of like, uh, you know, fast food and, and mm-hmm. just things that are convenient that if we can prioritize protein, we're going to have less of those other things, those, you for know, sure. the sugars, the fast foods, the um, and so that's good for us because we almost have to be that way here. I yeah. was in Paris and London this summer and I was like craving protein because you just don't find it everywhere. They don't have yeah. eggs with breakfast. They don't have, there are no, you know, protein shakes are kind of hard to come by. Everything is a sandwich. Everything is on really good bread. You're having bread and jelly and jam for, you know, and butter for <laughs> breakfast. literally just water. But, and I didn't gain any weight while I was there. Exactly. I mean, yes, I was walking a lot, but. I was eating way smaller portions. I think that's like the one thing that I definitely noticed. Um, and I was enjoying my food just a little bit more. Because it was fresh. And, but I, 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 and there, I had to get over that mindset though, because I actually went to go look for protein shakes at one of the gas stations. Cause I, in my mind, I'm so programmed that I have to get that 42 yeah. grams of protein first thing in the morning. Um, it is, it's a definitely a mind shift. So, yeah, and I, I think I was going to say too, I think you hit it right on the head that you said, I have to get that protein shake, right? I think it's the the mindset of I have to versus I get to. And it's like, it's one of those things that we always say, okay, let's shift over from I have to, to I get to. And, you know, when we think about that in terms of an orientation coming into a brand new nutrition program, we're like, okay, that sounds so cute. And that, yeah, I'll definitely follow that. Right. But then when we get hit with it in reality like that, we're like, oh shit, it actually does exist. Like I have to really shift my mindset to go from, you know, I have to chase something down to, you know, I, I just get to enjoy the food here. And then my body aligns with those choices. I was going to ask you, so I'm at, now I'm going to go way back again, because we're talking yeah. about almost behavioral changes. When you're, you said, when you go to, you know, a traditional like Turkish restaurant, or like you're sitting down at your family's house, when we look at American dishes, mm-hmm. when you look at just the physical plate, huge. Huge. Okay. That's what I'm getting at. So now when you go, when you're getting, you know, tapas passed around, it, is that like a typical size salad dish? Or I mean, are, are we talking like, like almost like a tea dish? Like is, are, are the physical plates smaller? Because that, that's going to be a behavioral yeah. shift. One of my favorite, I don't remember who said it, but they're like, if you want to go like the most 
basic way to try to lose weight. Stop eating on a dinner plate and start eating on a salad plate. And whatever you can fit on your salad plate, that's it. Yep. Yeah. And I feel like I can imagine in Turkey, I can, I can manage these like very ornate, like small, really pretty dishes. For sure. And it absolutely is. Right. It's it's one of those things that, you know, I, I look at some, I was just looking at some Ikea plates that I have here and I'm like, holy shit, what party is this for? Right. I was thinking <laughs> about it. I'm like, is this a charcuterie plate or is this a, a, a human dish? plates that are like bowls. Like they're not. Yeah, they have a limb. <laughs> Huge. And, you know, if I try to find bowls like that in Turkey, they're like, oh yeah, it's just, you know, good enough for a salad of four, four people. I'm like, yeah, I think the portion size is, is massive that way. And I, even just the utensils, right? The forks, the spoons are all significantly smaller than here. Um, you know, a, a, a teaspoon here is essentially a dessert spoon or like a, a, a prettier dinner spoon over there. It's not a matter of, you know, the, the portion size from that. But I think the plates are significantly smaller, for sure. And when the food comes out, it's almost like, you know, if I were, I had friends fly out there this year and they're like, dude, every place we go to is like fine dining. And my thing was, it's, it's not fine dining. One, cost wise, it's definitely not fine dining because of the currency exchange. And two, it just feels like fine dining to you because you are so accustomed to seeing, you know, you go out to a, a restaurant and you see a, a full rotisserie chicken and three and a half pounds of fries, right? That's what you get out of a, a good order. And I'm like, you're going to get much smaller portions, but at any point, are you not satisfied enough with those portions? No, because the flavor is enough to make up for, you know, that, that mental shift for sure. Right. And, and the slowdown of a meal like that, like it's absolutely. slower. It's like about enjoying each other and the camaraderie and the experience. Yeah. And that's very different from us who are like rushing through to get through Chick-fil-A just to get to our kids games or things like that. It, it's, it's just a different, it's culture difference. It is. It is. And just to have, you know, a meal. St- I think I, one of the first days I was there, I was back and forth between meetings and I stood up and ate a meal quickly between meetings by my laptop. And everybody was like, what are you doing? Right. Sit down, close your laptop, eat your meal, and then you'll figure things out. And I'm like, no. Oh. And it's just, it's such a, a non-norm over there that, you know, just like you said, like conversate during meals, get up, walk around, say hi to people you haven't seen in a while, come back, keep eating your meal. Like it's not a matter of, Hey, I have to shovel this in within, you know, 13 minutes and I have to be on the next meeting in two minutes after that. Right? <laughs> literally a story of both of our lives today, literally like finding like gaps, like shove food in. Now uh, I don't want to like, we're not saying anybody that listens to us knows like we prioritize protein and mm-hmm. when we're working towards something, it's a little different when we take our foot off the gas that's when you know our, our macros could be a little looser. We're not saying that protein is not important. We're actually going to go into a discussion about the importance of protein. But I'm curious, and on when you're in Turkey and when you come back, when you aren't focused, and Sanan just looks like a Greek god all the time. So this is like a bullshit question to ask because I feel like it's the wrong person. But when you feel like you go to Turkey when you come back, do you feel a difference in your body composition? Um, I do. I actually feel like I. This is going to sound crazy, but I feel like I get into a much better composition when I'm over there. Um, Interesting. Just, just because of, I think, uh, again, I don't know if it's a lot of, you know, just stress that's flushed out a lot of just my body. I, I, maybe it even has a, a, a piece of, you know, me growing up with that as a kid and just being so accustomed to that style of eating that when I go back to my roots, it's just, my body is, you know, more in tune with the foods that I'm eating and with the style of eating. Again, that's, I, I think that's a, a giant rabbit hole and, you know, a theory to think on. But, you know, you saw me this, this summer, you know, I spent three months in Turkey. I was consistently in the gym, maybe I would say four or five times a week. And we're not talking like 
crazy jam barbells everywhere. Like it was just like, you know, just a rusty thin barbell. You grab it, you lift it. If you can not snap the cables, you can do a few cable workouts, like one of those gyms. Um, and I was just prioritizing, you know, 10,000 to 12,000 steps daily. And, you know, my diet was just primarily nutrient dense whole foods, like just a shit ton of fruit and vegetables every second that I had access to them. Aside from a few local eggs for breakfast and then some yogurt with lunch and then fish for dinner if I could find it. Right. So it wasn't really this like massive, you know, 1.5 grams per pound plus of protein consumption. It was more, I was probably around like 0.7 or 0.8 grams per pound on protein. So about 150, 160 grams, given that I was about 200 pounds when I was in Turkey. Um, so it's, it's nuts to compare that to, you know, numbers that we consume here to think about this, like, you know, bodybuilding lifestyle of, you know, two grams plus per pound of body weight. Um, but I felt the best in terms of competition or competition, composition. Right. Um, and just my body felt good. Right. Well, I wasn't ever like, I feel flimsy. I feel weak. You know, it just, it never happened. You talk a lot about, you know, you like part of your uh, original uh, graduate degree was in like gut health and the fact that you were Absolutely. eating these like fruits and vegetables and these like fresh fruits and vegetables, not these like, you know, vegetables that have been sitting on a shelf for, you know, yeah. 12 weeks that has to make your body feel better. It's like you're Absolutely. flushing out. That's why we, t- I mean, we really, we do tell our, you know, our clients that to prioritize protein, but to get in as many vegetables as possible. And I think some people like forget about that part of it. And they're like, okay, I need to eat just my protein. And I forget about the vegetables. Your body will feel really, really bad if you're not eating vegetables and on top of the massive amounts of protein that we're recommending. Absolutely. Yeah. And and just, just, just so you guys know, when Sanan's like, I really didn't feel different. If you guys look up Sanan, Sanan, like I said, it walks around looking like a Greek god. So, like I said, I don't know if that's, that's a really genetically blessed a, Tur- a Turkish god, whatever. I mean, Sanan's walking around <laughs> looking like a Turkish Zeus. So, I don't know if that's really a fair question to ask, but I don't, I know it's. Yeah, I definitely. Uh... Oh, sorry. Sorry. It's so, it said that the Zoom logged out. Sorry. There you are. <laughs> no, I'm like, I'm still here, guys. That was I'm a weird pause. To... Anyway, so. When I went, when I go overseas too, like I don't, I still, I mean, Sanan's still putting in the the bare minimum amount of protein, you know, whether he's considering it or not. So he's maintaining Mm -hmm. all his muscle mass. It's not like he's like withering away, but it's interesting because when we go overseas and we go to countries that don't use preservatives and hormones the way we do, Mm -hmm. obviously there's not like, we still, we have healthy humans in in the States, but it's interesting to see, like when I go over there, I can eat bread, like nobody's business. And I don't come back looking the same, but the scale doesn't really change. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I cannot, I, there's, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. I'm not tracking when I'm there or anything like that. I'm not working out as hard. I'm walking more, but it doesn't make any sense to me. Cause I'm like, it, it, there has to be something in the way we process the foods. It, it has to be different. Or you're going to be an anti-process. No, no, no. I was like, don't get me wrong. I love my core power 42s. You're going to rip those with my cold, dead hands. Okay. And I'm a death grip that shit. But anyway, so let's shift really quick, just because we start to, we have to kind of move into our last 20 minutes of this. And mm-hmm. with all this talk about, you know, overseas and vegetables and freshness of fruit, Sanan also knows values and educates on the priorities, the, the importance in prioritizing a protein. Mm-hmm. Sanan, now we're going to shift gears completely. <laughs> let's talk a little bit about that, especially when it's coming, when it comes to, you know, aging, muscle preservation, weight loss, and those factors. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, again, I don't want to discount protein, right? By saying the fact that, okay, I was eating so little and still maintaining body composition. Again, I could be a genetic, you know, 
freak at that point. That could be the case. But I think, you know, that the importance of protein is still the importance of protein, right? When I do, so for Stronger You, I host a new member orientation every single Thursday for new members that come on board. And every single time, the one question that I ask is, what macronutrient do you feel that you have the toughest time hitting? And nine times out of 10, it's protein, right? Always. So for weight loss, for muscle preservation, for aging, for longevity, whatever their focus is, those members always have a tougher time hitting their protein numbers. Um, and why is that the case? My theory is that, you know, even though there's no science behind it, I think it's just we find those ingredients to be the you know far more complicated ingredient or the complex ingredient when compared to those simple veggies and grains and 90 second packets of, you know, of something or grab and goes. Um, and that's why I think prioritizing it is important for us, especially when we're having a tough time hitting that number or hitting even just protein as a, you know, a top of mind consumption. So for, like you're saying, for, you know, muscle preservation and even for weight loss, like in the clinical setting, when somebody comes out of surgery, when I, this is when I was doing my dietetic internship, when somebody comes out of surgery, when somebody comes out of operation, the first thing that the doctor will ask you as a dietitian is, you know, what's their, you know, tube feed look like, or what's their meal plan look like? Are they getting adequate protein to make sure they recover? Right. So in a clinical setting, it seems like, oh shit, that's a scary setting to be in, but in a weight loss setting and a caloric deficit setting, it's still the same concept, just a little less extreme. So we definitely still have to think about prioritizing those things. And, you know, that's why we have such a blurred moment when someone's like, you know, stop thinking carbs first, stop thinking fats first, and really think about what you're going to plan for the week in terms of your protein sources. And then everything else will kind of just fall into place. No, I, I think that's, you know, it's interesting, you know, when it, you, you brought it up in a clinical setting and you talk about, you know, we see it all the time with members, you know, the, the two macronutrients, the, the primary macronutrients we see deficiencies are uh, protein and fat, protein and fat, proteins first, fat next. Mm-hmm. And usually when fat's a deficiency, I hate to say it, but I'm like, that's probably a human error, actually, in terms of your logging, depending on how you're logging. But sometimes right. of course, because they're not getting enough protein, which sometimes has more fat, like depending right. on. Or they're not getting right. Or they're the two of them are tied together, but you're right. Because if we think about, you know, why do we, especially in the States when we're working on weight loss, muscle preservation and all those things, why do we hammer in protein? Because when you wake up in the morning before you lost your 90 pounds, what was your breakfast? Oh, like oatmeal or, you know, cereal or yogurt, maybe a smoothie, a bagel and cream cheese. And there's (laughs) nothing wrong with any of those items. By any means, you know, I, I saw on I saw on Instagram the other day somebody saying that oatmeal is like worse than I don't. I was like, oh my god! I was like, no, there's nothing fucking wrong with oatmeal. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with oatmeal. There's nothing wrong with oatmeal. Oatmeal is fantastic yeah. for you. But when your first thought for food mm-hmm. is a carbohydrate or a fat source, yeah, there's a, you're very quickly going to get into this downward spiral of having too much and not having enough protein. Oh, yeah. Bagel, yep. like a bagel egg sandwich with like two eggs and bacon and cheese and that bagel. I mean, yum, that sounds delicious, but that's not going to set you up for success for the rest of the day because where do you get the rest of your nutrients? Absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot of ground to make up afterwards. So. Eggs, eggs, egg, you're playing catch up all day and yep. we talk about it all the time. Like nobody wants to be sitting at the end of the day with, you know, a plate of chicken and fucking broccoli. You just yep. don't, you know, yep. the stronger you and MBS, there's, I, I'm sure, you know, the, the behavioral changes or the, the issues that we see with new, new members it's not, it's when we talk about prioritizing protein, it's because we were, it's what, what's easier. I, take away protein shakes for a second. Most yeah. people 
when they first come to either one of our programs, that's not the thought of protein. When you think about your first thing in the morning, before you start learning about macronutrients and all that, you're like, what's quick and easy? Cereal, bagel, maybe a yogurt, maybe a yogurt. or Just, like, just a Starbucks, right? Like- Starbucks. <laughs> Starbucks. What is that? Turkey, the turkey bacon sandwich? Like, And there's nothing yeah. wrong with that either. But you're going to knock out, like if we're, if we're just talking from a caloric standpoint, if we're not from a caloric standpoint and we're not going with a protein forward meal, yeah, the, your carbs and proteins, four, gram, four calories per gram, sure, fine. But what's going to be more satiating? Right. Yeah. What's, yeah. Hundred percent. That, that that's going to be more satiating than any case. Absolutely. Absolutely, it's going to be more satiating, and because I can easily crush through. Let's see, I had eighty grams of Captain Crunch last night with a bottle of Salt of Your Life uh, uh, protein shake to end my night. The Captain Crunch was, I think, like two hundred and ninety calories, two hundred or three hundred and twenty calories, something like that. I crushed through it, no problem. Are you sponsored by Captain Crunch yet? I fuck <laughs> sake, man. I wish I was. <laughs> but if I ate the same amount of calories in a protein source, there is no world where one, I would have crushed through that as fast as I did. Oh, 300 calories of like chicken breast would take you like way longer. Yeah, Easy. Sure. 300 calories worth of chicken breast has got like a 10 ounce chicken breast. And I'm sorry, but I don't want a fucking 10 ounce chicken breast. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I just don't. Again, it's just, it's a convenience factor. Right. And that's a, that's the way I really like. I think the the biggest image for a lot of like the the visual image that you can create for a lot of these members that are just coming on is like, hey, you know, if we don't prioritize protein and if that's your breakfast go to, um, you know, think about the conversation we're going to have in four weeks. You're going to say, hey, coach, and I just did my bod pot or I did my DEXA scan. I just came back, you know, four weeks. I'm down eight pounds and probably six of that is muscle. Like imagine having a conversation with somebody that you're like, hey, I lost eight pounds. Six of that is muscle. That's like, a, oh, shit, what's going on? We definitely messed up somewhere in the road kind of a conversation. So we, we really have to emphasize how important it is for muscle preservation, especially as we're going into these caloric deficits, right? So I think a lot of folks need to shift the way they eat for that primary reason, right? Nobody's like, I want to lose weight. I don't care where I lose it from. As long as I step on the scale, I just want to see that scale down. Yes, we used to hear that all the time. But if someone's like, yeah, the scale says I'm down, but I feel like I, I look like those wavy things at the car dealership, right? I, I don't yeah. want to be that person. So it's like, it's one of those things that you need to emphasize and prioritize. And to do that, you have to make it a convenient system for yourself, right? Mm-hmm. To get up and have a bagel. Like I grew up in Jersey. I, I'll do a bagel, cream cheese, any fucking All day. day right? Throw some locks um, on there and, a, and exactly. a, get in some onions. I'm happy. 100%. And what's that going to make the rest of my day look like? Probably canned chicken and some disgusting food just to make up protein right that's that's one of the big things so we have to get folks in a system where it's like if i start off on the right foot if i get a lead from the start it's going to be much easier for me to hold you can do it you can apply that to literally any conversation like if we're doing a 5k if we're doing a half marathon again it might be a whole different case but if i come out guns blazing for the first five miles and i get such a big lead that i can pull things back and relax the rest of the the marathon still a chance i'm going to win today right it's it's not a matter of come out slow and then have to hustle and put out 120% effort just to make up that shit. And then at the end of the day, you're disappointed in yourself because of the approach you took. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a whole different game for sure. Yeah. We talk a lot about you go from weight loss. Like your goal at the end is to get to maintenance. Like you can get to maintenance and live in maintenance, which is where Bradley and I live in. That's really the goal. And I just was looking at some stats when you're talking about the number of women Mm -hmm. who are uh, dietitians. You know, most women have will say on average, they've spent 17 years of their life dieting. And what that means is that they've spent 17 years of their life not really knowing what to do. 
And so if we can give them just that one little key piece of, hey, prioritize protein, get more protein in your first meal of the day and start to make that the priority, that's not dieting anymore. That's real true behavior change where yeah. we're going to make a difference in that person's life where maybe they can get off the, you know, the dieting train and they can get to maintenance or they can get to a place where they feel comfortable because they have the tools and the tips and the tricks that are going to make them successful long run. It's like, look at, look, look at your experience in Turkey. You're like, yeah, I don't eat as much protein, but it's never not a thought in your mind. Yeah. It's always there the, right. It's always there in the back of your mind. Cause you're like, I know if I don't at least think about it, I'm going to be playing catch up at some point. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to do that. And the thing, you know, you're like the, the wavy things that, that the car dealerships, yeah. you know, people are like I've lost all this weight and I'm still miserable. I'm like, yeah, I, I understand that because That's you look in the mirror and you're right. You are the same exact person yep. with a smaller number on the scale. And last time I checked, we don't walk around with, you know, chains that say I weigh 175 pounds. Like that's not what we do. It's how we feel. And that's where the priority of protein comes in and all that. And with that said, Sanan, like your analogies, the, like, I don't, I, I can talk to you about this for hours. That was <laughs> such a beautiful ending. Jay, do you want to ask anything else before we start to wrap things up? No, I think I'm good. Sanan. It's always, always a pleasure to have you on. We've got to do another Miami trip soon. Give everybody all the plugs of where to find you and your handsome single self. For sure. Absolutely. Uh, thanks. <laughs> thanks for joking. <laughs> I Knocked that in there last minute. Um, all right. You guys bumble, all the things. <laughs> As I say, you guys can find me on Instagram. I am uh, dr underscore synonymous. So Dr. Synonymous on Instagram. And then on Facebook, I'm in there as Sinan Synonymous, just because Bradley can't spell my last name otherwise. Um, <laughs> you guys can find me through there. Or if you reach out to Stronger You Nutrition, if you have any questions, again, I'm through there as well. And uh, and just to kind of recap everything, the way I think about it, I was going to say this to wrap things up too. I just, again, I'm a little brag here. I got myself a Tesla. And the yeah. one thing with the Tesla is it constantly runs the app in the background of your phone to check on the car, to check updates on the car, check everything. So it's constantly analyzing everything that's going on and doing that in the app. I was like, what the hell? My battery's draining. But then I realized, holy shit, we do that so much as humans. And that's the way we succeed with a nutrition program because we're constantly analyzing the situation to set ourselves up for success. So again, I sound like a psychopath comparing the Tesla app to my nutrition, but it was the same way in, in Turkey, right? The reason I succeeded like that in Turkey was because we're constantly analyzing the situation of what's going on your plate, what your body composition looks like, and what your exercise routine looks like. So as long as you're aware, as long as you have the knowledge of what you're exposed to and what it is you're trying to get out of it, you're going to set yourself up for success. With that said, everybody, thank you so much to listening to uh, episode nine. We will be back in a couple of weeks. We're a little delayed with our season finale to wrap up season three. Make sure you go check out Sanan. If you're single, make sure you go check him out. I love to give him such a hard time. Bumble, Tinder, find him on the leaderboard, wherever oh. you can find him. In an airplane, make sure you go, you know, pinch his butt just a little bit. It's kind of- <laughs> <laughs> with that said, everybody, Jay, say goodbye. Bye, everyone. Sanan. Thank you. Everybody, we'll see you guys in a couple weeks for our season finale. Hey, everybody, and thank you for listening to another podcast. For more things MBS, you can always find us on Facebook by searching my name, Bradley Goldman, or you can go to facebook.com backslash NBS by BSSF. You can find us on Instagram at NBS by BSSF. And of course, remember, always do something over nothing and focus on progress over perfection. And we'll talk to you guys next time.